Blog Talk Radio. Give us a call, 
347-838-9815 is the number to call. Again, 347-838-9815 is the number to call. If you're listening to us pre-recorded, you're listening to us on the fine B-plus players network. Lots of great shows over there. Proud to be a part of that network. So check us out over there on B-plus players. I mean, listen to us on Sunday Night Live and then listen to us pre-recorded on B-plus players because there's so much genius that comes out of the show that, you know, you might miss something. So you're going to want to listen to it again. So listen to us live on Sundays and then, you know, during the week. Uh, go to B-plus players and listen to us pre-recorded. So as I said at the top of the show, lots of stuff to get into. Um, you know, some may say this is not the time of year to take some time off, but this is when we go on vacation. So it gives us a, a chance when we get back to have a kick-ass show. We can just delve into a lot of great stuff in the world of pro wrestling. So let's get into it. And would not be able to make heads or tails out of everything going on without my tag new partner who's on the line. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Thank you for the warm and generous and kind welcome. I think you've actually done this on your own before I ever came into your life, but I greatly appreciate the warm welcome that you have given me here. And I'm ready to, you know, catch up with you on all things pro wrestling. And there's lots that we got to get into. And, and before we get into all of it, we also have, we're usually, it's a, this is a pay-per-view lineup, but because uh, there's, there's so much craziness and, and a lot of stuff to talk about and, um, you're with us in New Orleans, so Rocky, inter, inter indie wrestling sensation, Rocky Santiago, international sensation, why not? Why not? I, I've been all over. <laughs> Rocky Santiago in studio as well. How are you doing, Rob? Doing good, Ken, Dave. Always a pleasure to be here. And like you said, Ken, there is a lot to go over in the world of wrestling going on, so I think it, it is our duty to dive right in. And, and before we get into it, it's our duty, but, and I'm going to say, like, before we get into it... Like, <laughs> But, you know, I, I just want to say we're going to be kind of all over the place tonight, but we're going to d- delve into Mania Weekend in a little bit. But I, I just got to say, like, on, on Mania Weekend, number one, um, the my favorite mammals that I met uh, over Mania, Mania Weekend walked on all fours. Um, we actually took time Saturday night to volunteer at Villa Lobos Animal Shelter, uh, walked some dogs and needed some walking. Uh, my dog, Kalia, wanted no part of walking. Every time I tried to walk her, she planted and just rolled over and was like, rub my belly, um, which was fine. Uh, but we had a great time that night doing, um, you know, doing some, some good work. Uh, you know, it's not all about wrestling. If you can go and help, uh, help out somewhere. So myself, uh, Rocky, and Michelle all went to Villa Lobos. Uh, if you check out Villa Lobos online, you can sponsor dogs that need sponsoring. Um, there's a whole list of dogs. If you can't adopt a dog, I get it. Um, you can sponsor a dog to help buy supplies and, and uh, make their lives a little bit easier. And, and I have to compliment Rocky, who actually, his boy thick. And, and he was his dog, he was walking his dog, and Rocky came home and decided to not only sponsor thick, but who else do you sponsor? Thick and molasses uh, are their names. They come as a pair. Uh, they were actually found, I believe, in, in, a, in a molasses factory, uh, hence their names. But, yeah, if you go over to uh, www.vrcpitbull.com, uh, you can get a list of all the, uh, all the dogs at the Lowest Rescue, uh, and they make it really easy to sponsor. They give a whole list, and you, you don't have to do a lot. Uh, you know, ten, 10 bucks a month. What's 10 bucks a month? Uh, not bad. Uh, and 
you know, plenty of great dogs. Or if you want to help out your local animal shelters, you know, that it was a great experience just to, uh, you know, Ken being a dog lover, myself being a dog lover. Uh, it was good to uh, give back to the uh, local New Orleans community. Yeah, that was, was a great night. And, and you know, I'm going to have a lot of choice words for wrestling fans later in the show. But I was pleasantly surprised when we got to the shelter, just about everyone there volunteering were wrestling fans. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. And um, it's funny, the the, uh, the guys we were working with told us that uh, Billy Gunn stopped by to volunteer because he's actually sponsoring a dog there. Uh, told everyone that he had to stop watching the show because he's a big tough guy and he's crying every time he watches Pitbulls and Parolees. And say what you will about the big dog, we were also told that Roman Reigns came by to volunteer for a bit. Um, and something that which, you know, when you look at celebrities, I think it's really cool when they volunteer for something and you don't necessarily hear about it. And I, I saw nothing on WWE.com. I didn't see Roman Reigns tweeting it out. So Roman Reigns doing some good work down in New Orleans and doing it just for the sake of doing the good work, not necessarily looking for the attention. So that was great. Check out Pipples and Parolees. Check out the Bill Lobos website. Uh, sponsor a dog. Like you said, Rocky, volunteer at a local animal shelter. But you know, when you get a chance to do some good, do some good. And the other guys I got to touch upon, again, we got, we got so much to get into, but there's this Facebook group called the Mania Club, and they sponsor a tailgate. And I got to be honest, man, like when I heard, and like, I mean, I thought it was going to be cool. You know, I was like, what the hell? You pay a fee, you go to a tailgate. But I was not thinking, it's a bunch of wrestling fans putting together a tailgate. I was not expecting much, but I was like, hell, I fork over $40, I get food and drink. We were actually going thinking, I hope they don't run out of food. You know, like what kind of, like, I hope it winds up being worth it. Holy cow. I cannot compliment the Mania Club enough for, for the event that they pulled off at WrestleMania weekend. Um, more food than you could imagine. Yeah. Was stuffed by the end of it. Um, kegs of beer. Uh, there was a live show, a uh, live radio show going on there costume um the best they had like a running hardcore title like going throughout the tailgate so somebody walking around the belt and you would just walk up to him kick him in the gut pin him and then you were the champ until uh someone kicked you in the gut and pinned you you know it essentially went on um but it was a lot of fun i was very impressed with the mania club um if you have a chance on facebook definitely check out the Mania club class guys great event and what's even better and this is like top of the show on acknowledging the good in the world um this tailgate that they do is to raise money for connor's cure and stephanie mcmahon actually tweeted the mania club to thank them they raised six thousand dollars for connor's cure i think that's unbelievable to you know it's mania weekend you're having fun it's centered around wrestling and then they, they they're able to Throw some money towards a good cause. $6,000 is nothing to sneeze at. I, my hat's off to guys who organize that at the Mania Club. Next year, the Mania Tailgate will be in New Jersey. I'm psyched being in the Northeast. I have told them anything I can do to help. Um, but anything anybody can do to help, go over, check them out on Facebook, the Mania Club. Join up. You know, I told them on their Facebook page, next year we're raising $10,000. 6000 was awesome this year. Next year, $10,000. So congratulations to the Mania Club for the $6,000 they raised this year. Look forward to helping you go 
uh, above and beyond and continue to, to grow upwards and onwards. It's going to be, it's going to suck when we raise $10,000 next year, because then we're going to have to do more like in two years, yeah. but, but great job guys. Really. I, I hope you're listening. Um, but really I, I couldn't have been more impressed with how you guys, uh, ran your tailgate party that day at, at WrestleMania. So we're going to get into uh, WrestleMania and all things WrestleMania weekend in a bit, but um, we really got to start the show off with some somber news. And, and um, this, this past week we lost truly uh, a living legend, uh, you know, a, a wrestler that look, there, there are a lot of people, you know, wrestling's tough to evaluate and, you know, it, it's, it's really like if you live through an era of a guy, you get a sense of how important they were and how big they were, um, you know, and, and I see it sometimes, you know, when I talk to younger wrestling fans about Hulk Hogan and I'm like, you just don't get it if you, if, because you weren't there. And I think for a lot of us who are younger than our, our, well, we're all younger than our parents, but the generation that grew up with Hulk Hogan, our parents' generation, they grew up with Bruno Sammartino. And Bruno was the guy, and and I bet, like, for baby boomers, if you ask them who the greatest wrestler of all time is, they're going to jump on Bruno San Martino. Um, He's, you know, he is one of the all-time greats, uh, depending on how you want to rank guys. I'm not going to get into that ranking and where he belongs in history, but, uh, you know, we lost a true living legend, the guy who um, was the guy in the WWF. back in the day. And I remember growing up as a wrestling fan and, and my dad saying, there was this guy, Bruno San Martino, and he taught this younger guy, Larry Zabisco, and then Zabisco turned on him and these guys battled. And I just, um, you know, my dad's not really a wrestling fan, but he remembered Bruno and, and Zabisco. And I think that's a, a testament to how important he was. Bruno was a living legend. Very sad to see him go. Rock, your thoughts on Bruno? Well, yeah, there's no doubt that, you know, Bruno San Martino was a name so, you know, revered in the wrestling world, and especially up here in the Northeast where, you know, you had your ethnic baby faces that really, really drew crowds, uh, you know, back in those years. Um, yeah, my father, he was he was definitely a fan of Bruno. Uh, I don't think uh, any, res- any wrestling fan back in the day especially if you're talking Northeast that didn't hear Bruno, that didn't love Bruno. He was, uh, and by all accounts behind the scenes, such a nice man, you know, especially being on the top for as long as he was being a champion for as long as he was, he was still a, a nice man, a humble man. And not for nothing. I think what made it such a shock was when you looked at Bruno, even in his age, I believe he, he was 82 when he passed he still looked like he was hitting the gym every day. The, the, the guy was in, in phenomenal shape. So I, I think that made it that much more of a shock. But, yeah, really, really a sad day in wrestling to lose such a great name. Dave, you know, I always look to you like you are definitely our resident historian when it comes to pro wrestling. Um, you know, again, like I said, I don't want to get into ranking guys. But, you know, for me, Bruno's always been on my Mount Rushmore. Um you know, baby boomers probably have Bruno, if not on the top of their list, close to the top. But Dave, uh, definitely one of the all-time greats, definitely a legend in the world of pro wrestling. Absolutely. I mean, a living legend, not just only in pro wrestling, but in I think in life itself. I mean, you got to go back a little bit. I'll give you a little bit of a history lesson. But how Bruno got to America, his family had to escape from the Nazis in Italy 
in World War II in order to make it to the United States. And it was Bruno and his mother and like one or two of his siblings. I think one of his siblings died during, during World War II. So, um, you know, the story behind him getting here to the United States is amazing in and of itself. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the wrestling character that he portrayed being the everyday blue-collar, hard-working Italian-American. He bridged that gap of Italian-American, uh, you know, the, the Italian-American community with wrestling fans, and they merged as one. I mean, like Rocky said, a very, you know, baby-faced ethnic area in the Northeast, especially, you know, for the WWF. Uh, just, you know, someone that universally was loved. Um, like you said, Ken, and you rock both your parents, fans of Bruno. My father was not the biggest wrestling fan growing up, but I just found this out actually talking with him this morning. I went to my parents' house, and uh, my father told me that he was at the Garden the night that Bruno lost the belt to Ivan Koloff. When Koloff really? broke that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I had no idea. And like my father, was, my, we were just talking about Bruno, and, and my father said, he goes, you know, I was at that card. He goes, a friend of mine and I just got tickets at, like, the last minute, and it was one of those things that I, I had no idea. He's like, yeah, but Bruno lost the belt to Ivan Koloff. I was like, if that's what you're really telling me, then that was, like, the night that, like, it changed for Bruno in, in the WWF. So I thought that was amazing to hear um, a guy that's universally loved, like I said, blue-collar, hard-working guy, someone who's definitely at the top of, of all-time greats in the industry and uh, someone who's definitely going to be sorely missed. Yeah, and, and um, you know, when it comes to, you know, and I think it sums up, Bruno, you know, I heard this story, uh, you know, someone called in, busted open the other day and said that he had um, he met Bruno and he was, Bruno was doing like an autograph signing at uh, Feast of San Gennaro. And it was something like you got a picture with and you got an autograph picture and someone came up holding their child uh, as a new newborn baby and said that um, or a few months old. But anyway, said that, um, you know, I wanted to go to the Hall of Fame when you got in, but I couldn't because my wife was due like right around that time. And he was like, I'm going to my ass is going to hit the seat in the garden. And I'm going to be running out because my wife's going into labor. So he's like, I, I just didn't go. And he said he told this all to uh, one of the guys who was running the event, just making conversation. And he was like, I've always wanted to meet Bruno, want to be the Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. Um, the guy went over and told Bruno uh, that he couldn't make it because the child in his arms was close to being born. And this fan said that Bruno immediately turned into this child's grandfather and just was coochie cooing and, and like was trying to make the, the child laugh and, and just was being so playful with the kid and said that, that Bruno just took multiple pictures with him and his child signed multiple autographs, just broke, broke protocol. And just, even though it's supposed to be one picture and one autographed item, like just gave him a mess of stuff. And I, and you know, when I heard that, I'm like, that That to me is, is who Bruno was. Like, that was, um, you know, when you hear all these great stories about, you know, not just the wrestler and performer, but the man, um, that's who he was, and that's who he all, what, what he was all about. So a guy who was a legend uh, in the ring, but also a legend outside the ring, a great human being. Um, so condolences to all friends and family, the San Martino family. Um, rest in peace, Bruno San Martino. And unfortunately, we also lost another wrestler slash manager. He has Paul Jones, 
Um, another all-time great, uh, really tough week for the world of pro wrestling. Um, you know, a guy when you look at like the, you know, guys managed, and and you look at guys like Abdullah the Butcher, Billy Graham, Rick Rude. You know, on the list of guys that that are managed, you know, um, Paul Jones again, another guy that's in that pantheon of historical figures in the world of pro wrestling. Sadly, we also lost him this week. Yeah, it was definitely a, a tough wrestling week. And when you look at Paul Jones, you know, it, it's sad to say that his death was probably overshadowed by, you know, the the, the size of, of celebrity that Bruno was. But Paul Jones didn't have any small career in the wrestling business either, especially his success with the NWA. Uh, he had that uh, tag team run with uh, Ricky Steamboat. And like you said, Ken, he, he managed some names that became some names that became household names. And uh, you could always enjoy uh, some of the NWA stuff. Uh, I lo- I know I love enjoying it on the network, seeing some of the old school uh, mid south and uh, NWA wrestling. Uh, really a tough tough week for wrestling. Dave, your thoughts on Paul Jones? I'll be honest with you, uh, I didn't get a whole lot of exposure to Paul Jones, but uh, from what I saw, I mean, he was a very influential manager in the Crockett territory uh, with uh, managing not only, you know, Rick Rude, but, you know, Manny Fernandez, Raging Bull, uh, Powers of Pain, uh, Barbarian and Warlord, Ivan Koloff. I didn't see a whole lot of Paul Jones, but um, Paul Jones was uh, was revered by, by many in the industry as a, as, a, as a great mind, not just as a manager, but working behind the scenes with the talent and uh, helping them produce their matches and their promos. And just overall, just a, a, one of the more positive uh, uh, people to have come through into the wrestling business. So again, a very difficult um, week for the world of pro wrestling um, condolences and friends and family of Paul Jones, uh, rest in peace. And, um, there's no easy way to transition from that, but we're going to try to, and, uh, uh, let's get on to some happier things. I will say this though. And, and we've, you know, being in the wrestling business, uh, uh, you know, as, as Rocky and I kind of are, I guess, you know, you get a lot of, um, so-called know-it-alls that will tell you like, don't be a mark. Uh, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, don't listen to anybody who tells you don't be a mark. Like we're, we're losing a lot of legends in the world of pro wrestling. Um, signings come to your neighborhood events, you know, if you can make it, if you can afford, you know, meet these guys, go out, meet these legends, you know, um, the, the era that we grew up with, these legends are, are getting up there and, and they're not going to be here forever. So if you have a chance, um, you know, go, I mean, one of the, you know, I never met Bruno Sammartino. I never met Paul Jones either. Um, but I know a few years back I got to meet Bobby Heenan, and that was like a real thrill for me. And, I, and just to be in the presence of that sort of greatness. Um, but they're not going to be here forever. So if you have that chance, go ahead. Like, screw the, the, the naysayers. Mark out. Go to these events. Meet these legends because they're not going to be here forever. And as we talk about legends – um, you look to WrestleMania weekend and, um, you know, it's going to kind of be a round table, a lot of like different perspectives, uh, Dave watching a lot of this stuff at home, Rocky and I in new Orleans. And I will say this, I got to thank, um, my friend, Bill after who, um, that's how we kicked off WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Bill after was doing kind of a one man show. And I will, as we get into other stuff, Bill after did a show that was 20 bucks. And what was it like a little over an hour? Yeah. And that's what we needed. Like, 
when we talk about some of the other shows in Mania Weekend, holy cow. Uh, geez, the length of these shows. And, and Bill After, just uh, a goofy little show. Lots of great pictures to show us. Lots of great memorabilia. He dragged Rocky and I up with him at one point for a, a, a little sketch where he had to... Uh, First one to get into a singlet uh, would win a prize. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. As a singlet. As a singlet, yes. Um, Lord knows where that's been. But um, I kudos to Bill After and, and his show. Um, if he didn't know the next year, I would go to it again. But I, I had a blast with that rock. I don't know about you, but, like, Bill, you know, again, short, sweet, to the point. The show never dragged. No, it was fun, and he got out exactly when he had to. Yeah, so I mean, let's get into Mania Weekend again. Like, we we kind of speculated, not speculated, but we, we stated um, that you know we went to Villa Lobos and volunteered, we didn't go to NXT TakeOver on, on Saturday night. Um, and why don't we start there? So, um, Dave, I'm assuming that was probably part of your WrestleMania weekend. What were your thoughts on NXT TakeOver? NXT, I thought, was a, a fantastic show. I love the ladder match with uh, Adam Cole winning the, you know, brand-new NXT North American title. I thought all those guys, they really went out. EC3, Lars Sullivan, Killian Dane, Velveteen Dream, Ricochet, they all just really, they went balls to the wall in that match, um, and I really enjoyed it. It kind of reminded me of the, the car crashes that some of the uh, old TLC matches from back in the day were. Uh, and then, of course, the... Um, the, the Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano main event, I thought that was a really good match. They had had a, uh, over a year-long storyline with the two of them that had culminated with the, that non-sanctioned match. And, you know, as much as, uh, you know, a lot of people want to rip WWE, they're kind of giving everybody a, a, a variety of things to choose from between what you got on the main roster to have that, you know, their super indie fed, I guess is what you would like to call NXT. And, I thought they put on a tremendous show. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it, I have no complaints when it came to that show. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that's a good way to refer to NXT, that it's kind of like the, the super indie show, which uh, I wish a lot of fans would like. Just don't don't go to WrestleMania and go to NXT if that's, if that's your gig. Um, but, uh, you know, it is like kind of that style, and, um, you know, a lot of – it's just what you see on the independent scene, which is done a lot better. Um so, I mean, that was the main thing. I know, like, I think we may have been the only ones to go to Mania and not go to uh, TakeOver, but uh, we were doing good work. But we did, we did, in fact, go to the Hall of Fame, and, oh, God. Um, you know, I, I, look, I mean, and I, I don't want anything, I, I respect anybody who sets foot in the ring, and especially all-time greats. Um, so I don't want anything I say here about the Hall of Fame to come off disrespectful in any way, shape, or form, but um, I got to be honest with you. Like, I mean, the show opened um, with the Dudleys, which I think was it was a decent speech. I mean, if, if you listen to Busted Open, it was like the greatest speech ever ever made ever, and I don't think it was quite that. Uh, but I no shit, it really? <laughs> I was like, like, it's a Gettysburg address. I wish it was a Gettysburg address because I think the days were just like 15 minutes long. Um, (laughs) If that. But that being said, um, that was my first reaction, 
with the amount of people being inducted, as, as good as I thought the speech was, the first thing I said to Michelle was, holy shit, that was like 45, 50 minutes. We're, we're going to be here till one in the morning. That was my gut. So after a good speech, my gut reaction after speech one was, oh, my God, we're going to be here all night. Um, and I want to get your take, Dave, on like what it was like on TV, Rock. I, uh, you know, you were there live as well. But I, I just, I mean, the WWE has to do something. They have to do something. And again, I don't want to be disrespectful, but the three of us took speeches off. We had to get out and like move around. It was just too long to be sitting there. So we found like an area near a snack bar that had like four seats and we just went out there and sat down for a bit and then went back in. We missed the Warrior Ward and, and Ivory speech and not, not by choice, just by like we needed to take a break. Um, by the end of the Hall of Fame, half the VIP seats were empty. They were leaving. We left, we left a little bit early. Like when, when it seemed like Goldberg was circling back around to his football career, it was like, all right, you know, we, we got it. And, and again, I don't mean any disrespect, but like, you know, when you're on vacation and, and you're looking to, to hang out and do some stuff and you're obviously looking to, to embrace and, and soak in all that is WrestleMania, um, you got to do something. You cannot have this like four or five hour uh, epic Hall of Fame debacle where, you know, you, you just want to fall asleep and it's like you don't want to be disrespectful to certain guys being inducted, but at the same time, it's it's really just not conducive to a positive experience for the fans. And to me, it's either either you do one of two things. You you shorten the class and, and induct like, you know, maybe four people, give me a headliner, a couple supporting cast, and that's it. Or you tell everybody, if you're not done in 15 minutes, the music's going to start to play and we're pulling you off. Um, one or two of those things has to happen, but – you know, I'm curious. There are people I talked to that said that they didn't even watch the Hall of Fame in one sitting. They had to stop and they, they finished it later on. Dave, I'm curious. Um, for us, I mean, I will say this. I thought the crowd was a little more respectful than it has been in years prior. Um, there weren't as many cat calls and people trying to get chants started uh, like there has been in recent memory. But um, that being said, it, it just was way too long. And that's going to be a running theme for a lot of Oh, we talk about WrestleMania. Um, Dave, I'm curious, how did the Hall of Fame come off on TV? Um, I'll be honest with you. I was bored to tears with most of it. I hate to be that way, but I really was. Um, I was about a half hour behind, and I think I, like, popped on social media and saw your text about, wow, the Dudley speech was 45 minutes too long. I felt like with the Dudley speech, there were certain points where they could have ended it right there and been like, that was a good speech. And then they just kind of like went off and was like, well, they had to thank someone else. And I was like, all right, I guess it's their night. I'm not going to sit here and rain on the parade. But, I mean, it was a solid way to open it. But, like I said, there were a few moments where I was just like bored to tears. Like I fast-forwarded right through Hillbilly Jim's because you could hear crickets in that whole place the minute he started talking when he was like, you know, I'm going to take you back to this time in Kentucky. I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a snooze fest. And then, and then it just continued. Like, no disrespect to these people because they deserve the honor. I'm not going to disrespect them whatsoever. And I love Hillbilly Jim. Don't go mess with a country boy. But I definitely fast-forwarded through his speech. Um, and same thing with Ivory. I, I, stuck, I stuck out to the Jeff Jarrett one. 
And then by the time, like, Goldberg came, I didn't realize until I saw it on social media when you posted that picture on Facebook. And I was like, no wonder why it was so silent in that building when Goldberg came out. Like, you couldn't even – like, half the audience was gone. And I just thought, like, I think they do need to shorten it up with, with with the inductees. Let them have longer speeches, but you know, and, and, or let them have decent sized speeches, but not as many. Like I would do like four, five at the most, because the hall of fame's like, even at home, I was like, Holy cow. Like, have we gotten to this yet? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, and it was like that. And look, like that's, that's what, like if, if you, if you're booking the hall of fame and seemingly like roster, I mean, I don't know who exactly left. I mean, I didn't analyze the empty seats. I just know that's the VIP section. So that's, Family, special guests, people in the company. Um, if you can't keep them and they're leaving, how do you like your your expectation of fans is to stay there that long and then you know put up? I mean, I hate to say it, but put up with something that long. Um, yeah, I mean, I lean towards what you're saying, Dave. I would rather rather than telling people you only have 15 minutes and get off the stage. I, I would say, like, you, you shorten your inductees and just continue to say whatever you want to talk about, you can talk about. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's almost like a lot of, like, indie shows, you know. I mean, one of the things we were at IWF, and, and one of the things that, that uh, was done correctly, one thing that was done correctly was the, the length <laughs> of the shows. And the thing is, when you're sitting in a, a two-hour independent wrestling show, and there's a match that's a clunker. Well, it's going to be done in two hours. And the clunker's like, you know, eight minutes long. So it's like, all right, whatever. You're able to put up with that. You know, if there's four inductees and one speech sucks, you're still 25% done, you know? So it's like, it kind of, you know, it's more palpable. But yeah, I love, I love, I love Hillbilly Jim. In fact, to the point where I thought he was already in the Hall of Fame. So when he's inducted this year, like, wow, I thought he was already in. Um, I was psyched to see him go in. Holy cow. Like that speech was just, dude, dude. I mean, dude, just, just please just wrap it up. And I do agree with you also, Dave, there was at least three or four spots during the Dudley speech. And I thought it was a fairly entertaining speech, but there's three or four spots where I'm like, all right, cool. They're wrapping it up. And then they kind of went off on another tangent. And, um, it just, it, it winds up the, the length of the, the ceremony winds up taking away from, you know, other certain people. I thought Jarrett's speech was great. I really enjoyed that speech. Yeah. I thought Mark Henry's speech yeah, was great. Um, but it did get to a point where, like, we were getting um, to Goldberg, and you're like, oh, Jesus. Like, I, you know, I, I don't even want to sit through Goldberg. Like, I just want to go. I want to go to Bourbon Street, which is a whole other story. But, uh, um, but Rock, I mean, you were there as well. We were sitting there trying to uh, exist and, and stay in this whole ceremony. Your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, yeah, I think there's no doubt. It was rough. It was rough. It was, and I know that you don't want to disrespect these people who have built their careers and, you know, are worthy of the Hall of Fame induction. And there's, a, what, there's the argument that I don't want to tell these guys, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes and, and get off the stage. But I think in this year, they kind of let the pendulum swing the exact opposite way. And, like, everyone's speech has to be at least 45 freaking minutes. Now, look, especially in my, in my, in my very short time in the, in the wrestling biz, I, I've met a couple of characters who can tell stories and who can tell stories till your ears fall off. And, and that's all well and good. Now, do you want to watch that 
times what seven? Like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm all for, you know. Obviously, you have to have some sort of time frame, but you know, a happy medium. You know, yeah, chop some, chop some folks off of uh, the, the induction class, and for those folks, you know, this section, you, you know, essentially build it like a card. You guys are the undercard. You get 50 to 20 minutes. You, your main event. Give him freaking let him run with it. You know, it's nothing against uh, these folks and, and their illustrious careers, but, you know, the, you got to hold the people's attention for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, and Goldberg, like, starts his speech off. We're like, this speech is going to be like my match. is going to keep it short and sweet. Like, you lied to us. <laughs> <laughs> like, about halfway through the speech, I'm like, you liar. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and it sucks because, you know, it, it kind of for – for me, I was always the, the guy that, and, and as great as Mania could be any given year, Hall of Fame was my favorite night of Mania weekend. I really, um, I have a lot of respect for the business and, and people who do it and, uh, and people who do it well and people who do it on, on a level that most anybody will never sniff. I mean, I, I really respect those all-time greats when they make it to that echelon. And I, I love that night of just paying respect to, to the greats. I mean, I really do. Uh, it always was my favorite night. And it literally went from my favorite night of the weekend to my least favorite night of the weekend. It really was just to the point where next year I was like, you know, we used to get the travel package where, Access, the Hall of Fame, WWE, uh, WWE, WrestleMania was all included. Um, then we stopped doing the travel pack and just kind of started doing a la carte and just picking out what we wanted to, to do. Um, you know, this was the first year where I was like, maybe we don't do the Hall of Fame next year. Like, I don't like maybe I just, you know, watch it piecemeal on TV and, uh, you know, where I can watch at my own pace and, and watch speeches I want to see and, and turn it off and turn it back on to see some other speeches and um, like it kind of depressed me and kind of like it kind of bummed me out that I was, I was actually thinking, you know, Hey, I, I might not want to go. Like even like looking at next year in, in, in the New York, New Jersey area that, you know, maybe there'll be another show running the night of the Hall of Fame, at least something else that I'd rather go to uh, outside of traveling to, to Brooklyn to see the, the Hall of Fame. And that's uh, it kind of bummed me out, but that's where my head was at. But um, you know, the thought of driving to the Hall of Fame next year and sitting for like five hours through like um, some some mundane speeches kind of, you know, I, I just I just don't want to. So I'm, I'm hoping the WWE makes some some necessary changes. Um, but I know, Dave, like you, you've gone to a mess of Hall of Fame ceremonies, too. When you when you start to compare uh, the ones you've been to and then what we got this year. Um, I don't know if you were in that that same space, but again, like for me, that was my favorite night of the weekend. Um, you know, your thoughts of uh, the Hall of Fame and where it was and, and where it at least was this year. Well, it's gone from being a Hall of Fame ceremony to a Hall of Fame show, if you think about it. They've booked it like like a WrestleMania. Like, here's your four-hour nostalgia mania on Friday night is what they've really done where they've taken the guys from the past and they've, you know, booked them on their show for four hours to talk about their career and the highs and lows and, you know, for all the fans to reminisce. And like I said, I mean, the first time I really saw where it became like 
a show, and it wasn't a ceremony, was when you and I went to Bruno's induction in, in the garden in 2013 when they had all those different things taking place. Like, you know, Booker T had to do the spin rooney and they did the spot with Trish, the Beyonce baby reveal, you know, where she did that, and Punk came out and counted the one, two, three with Foley and Jericho. Like, it's become more – they're booking it more like a show than a ceremony more than anything else. And for me, like, my wife and I have talked about going to WrestleMania maybe next year because it's closer locally. Uh, but well, I'm, I'm almost kind of right there with you in the sense that if it's a really good headliner that I want to see or someone I really want to see get inducted – that might be something that we might skip as well because it's so damn long. Like she watched, she tried watching it with me, and I think she got about to, like, Jeff Jarrett, and she was knocked out tired, and it was, like, almost like – it was, like, 11 o'clock. So it's, it's, it's definitely regressed, and, uh, you know, it's – I mean, hopefully they, they make some changes, but it's definitely become, like I said, it's, it's not a ceremony anymore. It's a show. It, it's, it really is. And, I, and honestly, if that's how they want to book it, I'm fine with that. But, but um, you know, there's no, like, like entertaining moment. I, I just – I mean, this year to just see guys for four and, – and the problem is also that you kind of, you know, when, when you have these speeches that are long early on, it takes away from some of the later speeches because you're, you're getting to that point where you're sitting there like, oh, my God, I just want to get out of here. And, and, and like when your head is in that space, you know, like I said, we missed two speeches just because we're like, you know what, cannot sit here for, for this long and didn't want to do the whole running out between speeches and hoping I can get to the bathroom, you know, and like, so we're just like, let's just take a couple breaks. And, and I hate thinking that way because I do, there, there is a big part of me that's like, I'm being disrespectful. Um, but I, I, you know, when, when half the VIPs left, uh, the ceremony, uh, you know, you can't accuse fans of being disrespectful for taking a break during the ceremony. So I definitely think it's something that WWE has to look at. Um, you know, even looking at next year, like, do we have an Undertaker or The Rock, like, headline a Hall of Fame class? And, and are you going to put, like, 10 other inductees before them? So it's like, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, Taker finally walks out to, like, basically a dead crowd, you know, um, it's like, there's no one, he's like, rest, rest, it's, okay, they're doing it already, yeah, (laughs) so, anyway, I mean, I definitely think it's something that, you know, when it comes to wrestling, um, more does not always indicate more better, Uh, and sometimes you got to look at, you know, a good time frame as opposed to just saying, let's make it longer and that'll make it better. Um, you know, even like, I mean, we've gone to independent shows where, you know, I've gone with Michelle where, you know, we've left at the two and a half hour mark because there's like five matches left on the card. And it's like, you know what? I've seen enough wrestling for tonight. Um, in fact, Dave, like we left a, an independent show last time WrestleMania was in this, the area. Cause it was like, it was midnight and there were still, I think three or four matches left on the card. And we we're like, you know what? Like <laughs> I've seen enough wrestling tonight, you know? And, uh, yeah. you know, it just gets to that point. And, and which, which moves into for me, um, the event itself, WrestleMania. Um, and again, kudos to, uh, the mania club for helping us kick that day off proper. But, you know, interestingly enough, like when you look at, 
uh, WrestleMania, and because we went to the tailgate, which started at noon, but I believe we got there around one, um, we were literally, if you count our time in the parking lot, we were at the Superdome for like 12 hours. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, it's absurd when you think about how long it was. And I, I look, for me, and, and there's no other way to put it, um, WrestleMania was a disappointment for me. I I'm, not, I'm not saying it's bad, and, and I want everyone to give their take, but I, I would give WrestleMania a B or B minus, and I thought we were going to get an A-plus show. And that's where I'm calling it a disappointment. I don't think it was a bad show. I think we, there was a lot of positive on that show. Um, by the way, we're talking about WrestleMania now, so the F-bombs could be flying soon. So just putting it out there for kids that might be listening, parents, we are rated R tonight. So um, that's when it, it, might, it might start to come out. Um, because I thought there were some really good matches, and I, I thought the main event was fucking awesome. And you guys who don't understand that, um, and we will dissect the main event, uh, you know, more. Um, but I thought there's a lot of great stuff in, in during WrestleMania. I, you know, I thought probably uh, the majority of the matches were good to very good. Um, I thought the mixed tag was great. I thought they really told a story. I thought Rousey was awesome um, in that match, and and she was in that match with people that that accentuated her positives, and I thought it was brilliantly done. Um, but I thought when you get to like the latter part of the card, I, I thought Nakamura and AJ, good match, not as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, and honestly, I found Taker Cena to be a waste of time. Um, so when I look at Mania this year, um, again, and it, no disrespect, I, I, I label it a disappointment only because I had such high expectations. I don't think it delivered on those expectations. And I think part of it is when you're looking at the card, it was really long and, and, it is difficult to take something that long and make it entertaining for, was it six hours, six, seven hours? Seven, seven, hours. seven hours. So, I mean, that's, that's difficult for any, I mean, if creative was like knocking it out of the park on a week in week out basis, it would be tough to make a seven hour event entertaining for the entire seven hours. We've sat here and talked about it, like creative, you know, hit and miss at times, um, put together a great card, uh, but I don't think they delivered uh, on the expectation. I thought we were going to get a historical WrestleMania. I thought it would be a WrestleMania that I would list as one of my all-time favorites. It, it's not up there for me. Uh, fun time, good time. Obviously, I'm not at work. I'm not in the area. I'm in New Orleans watching wrestling. So I was having fun. Um, but all in all, uh, I'd say I was probably a little bit disappointed with this year's Mania um, Dave, you're watching it on TV, so you're obviously getting different angles. I will say this also, and I, I want to get your take from TV perspective. The one thing also about the Superdome and looking at a seven-hour show, the Superdome's TVs that they have above the ring are kind of small. And, you know, if you don't have ringside seats, and, you know, we can't afford ringside seats. I mean, it is what it is. Um you know, like a lot of us at, at Mania, we rely on those TVs to kind of catch some of the action and kind of get the facial expressions and, and the intricacies that are involved in a wrestling match. The TVs were very difficult to see where we were sitting, um, which to me kind of took away a little bit. And especially when you're looking at an event that's seven hours, um, you know, you go back to Dallas and, and the size of the TVs there. Like, you know, if you couldn't see what's going on in the ring... It was right there in front of you, so you can kind of go back and forth. 
Um, at the Superdome, those TVs really didn't cut it. So kind of watching the TVs like didn't make sense. So you just kind of watched uh, the guys in the ring or at times, like if they were on the other side of the ring or, you know, outside the ring, things like that. Certain spots were difficult to see. And I think, again, when you're talking about seven hours and stuff is being missed because you can't see it on TV, um, that kind of hurts the product as well. So I'm curious for you, Dave, your thoughts, because obviously you're watching it on TV, you're seeing all the angles. Um, how did Mania come off for you? I thought it was an entertaining show. I thought it was better than the last two years of Mania, personally. Uh, you're, you being there, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I felt like it didn't drag too much for me. Yes, it was a long show, but I felt like it didn't drag too much. I thought they opened up the show, the main show, great way with the Intercontinental title match, that triple threat, like, kicked ass. My wife was sitting next to me. She was like, that match is going to steal the show. And then what happened? The next match really stole the show. Charlotte and Asuka, the shock with the streak. I mean, I thought that was a great way to, 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 to really get the first few moments of Mania going. Um, I dug the John Cena sitting in the crowd with regular clothes and he wasn't wearing his gimmicks and he didn't have knee pads on like the last time he got fired and was the front row. And you and I kind of talked about it. Um, I dug those moments where they would pan the camera back to him and try and get his reaction as he was watching the match. They really saw, they really tried to sell you on it, that he was there as a fan. Um, the mixed tag match with Ronda Rousey over delivered in my opinion. I thought, Rousey did a great job. Angle did his part real well. Same thing with Hunter. I was so afraid that Stephanie was going to be built up as Ronda's equal, all because she threw her through the table like the week before on Raw. And they made Rousey look like a killer, and she was positioned in ways that, you know, made her look like a star. To all the people on Saw that thought she couldn't work and she couldn't put on a good match, F-bomb number three is coming. Fuck you because she did a great <laughs> job in my opinion that's f-bomb number three ken's already dropped two we're gonna we're gonna do an f-bomb count tonight all right and <laughs> to get on the show. all right that's f-bomb number three i'm sure i got plenty more in the chamber but uh i thought that match over delivered i thought it was great ken you said so you didn't care for seeing an undertaker and at first the short the the the, the short nature of the match i was kind of taken aback by it but after i kind of sat back a little I thought to myself, there's a bigger end game than this, okay? I feel like this is going to lead to something with the two of them maybe at next year's WrestleMania. And then upon further reading some things on the internet and the dirt sheets, the rumor, the speculation is that he couldn't work a full match. So that's why they didn't advertise the two of them facing off in an official match at Mania because if they did advertise it and we got the finish that we got, fans would think, well, what the hell was this? This was a waste of time. Three-minute match? To WWE, this is looked at as a bonus. So after hearing that and seeing what they presented, I thought it was a nice little bonus to kind of throw in there for Mania. But there's definitely a bigger end game with Undertaker and Cena, in my opinion. Um, like you said, I, most of the matches were good to very good. AJ Styles Nakamura did not deliver in terms of dream match material. It didn't. It was a good match. It was a good SmackDown live main event, but it was not a good WrestleMania match. But there's more to come with that. I dug the the, the, the turn with Nakamura and the low blow. Um, well, well, let's, let's talk about the big elephant in the room. Nicholas. Nicholas. If I could sum up WrestleMania weekend with one person, it would be Nicholas. Okay, that I thought that was one of the coolest things that they could have done. It, it, yes, the internet had a had a heart attack over it, but I thought it was it was very well done the way Braun 
brought the kid in and made him his partner. And look what they've done with Braun now, okay? They've not only – they've expanded his demographic. He went from being 18 to 34-year-old male's favorite wrestler right now to now kids having a connection with him because he had some 10-year-old tag with him and win the belt. So as far as the main event goes, I didn't like it. And not because of the, the reason – why most of the people in the Superdome didn't like it. And I want to get your take on it, both your takes on this as well. But I just felt like the way the match was structured with Brock just basically destroying him, like for the most part, destroying Reigns. They've made Reigns look like a victim. And I don't think people are buying it. I was on the cooldown with AC and AC said it best. He's like, they're trying to make him like the Daniel Bryan of this, uh, of, of this period, this era and this period. And it's just not working. When he's positioned as a badass, when he comes off more organic and real, the people are into him. I was in Boston at TLC in 2015 when he just went full out crazy and beat the dog shit out of Triple H. He fucked him up, F-bomb number four. And (laughs) everybody in that whole building just went crazy over it. I felt like positioning him as an equal would have made the fans buy into Reigns a little more. But instead, they played him out to be the victim, and I feel like the audience – the audience crapped on it just because Roman Reigns has a pulse and he's still breathing, but I feel like they would have been more receptive to it. If it was a knockdown drag out affair and both guys neither had the, the advantage in the match and Brock faded away with the victory, then it could have been okay with the finish. But the way he was built all these weeks leading up to Mania about being the hardworking everyday champion and the people were getting behind it and Brock was hardly on TV, I just felt like the way the match was structured, it didn't do Roman Reigns' character any favors, and it put a sour taste in my mouth as far as the main event goes. And that's my take on WrestleMania. I'd give it a B plus. Entertaining. Most of the matches delivered. Main event sucked big time. And it's interesting, Sarah, because I mean, I enjoyed the main event, and we're on it, Rocky. I want to get your take, but I mean, one of the things I think hurt Mania, and especially when you look at the length, and I'm looking at the card right now, and. You know, look, you had the pre-show, you had the two battle royals. We don't need two battle royals. Um, the Cruiserweight match was was decent. You get into the main card, and it's like triple threat for the IC match, real good match, solid match, fun match. Flair Oscar, amazing, amazing match. Um, Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Rusev, Fatal 4-Way. Decent, fun match, entertaining match. I, I wouldn't say it was great, but it was it was a good match. Um, then you get the, the mixed tag that kind of blows it out of the water, like almost like at that point when you're at like match seven, that it, it's almost like that card could have been like, I could have went home happy at that point, like if it ended there. And then from that point on, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship was okay. I didn't like Taker Cena. I, I thought the the Daniel Bryan, McMahon, Owen, Zane, um Match was okay. Um, I thought Nia Jax Alexa Bliss was okay. I thought AJ Styles and Nakamura disappointed, but was okay. Like I just when you looked at the like the tale of two cards, and again when you're looking at a seven hour day sitting in a stadium, when you're looking at the latter half kind of either being like not you. I mean Dave, you're saying the main event sucked. I enjoyed it, but where I think a lot of the matches were kind of disappointing. That's tough when it's seven hours and you had matches that over-delivered the first half. Like, to me, the two matches that you, we can debate on match of the night, but I look at the mixed tag or Flair and Oscar. Those are the two matches that I look at as 
potential match of the night contenders, and those were earlier in the show. Um, so if you look at two contenders early in the show, that means the rest of the card was, you know, again, a little bit disappointing. And that was where, uh, again, WWE, less is more. Um, I know you look at, like, it's WrestleMania, a seven-hour extra. Maybe the four is good. Four is good. Four-hour, give me a kick-ass four-hour show. Seven's a bit much. Rock, you were there. Your thoughts on, on being in the stadium lot? Well, I think it's interesting the difference, you know, in the in the way Dave sees it, wa- watching it, and the way it was for us. And I can say that the, the operative word watching it live was just length. It was long. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed every match. Like as far as far as WrestleMania for me is concerned, it was not a disapp- I wouldn't term it a disappointment. I liked it. Um, I'd go as far as saying it was a solid B plus, maybe flirting with an A minus, because you have, in my opinion, you have a lot of matches on the card that delivered. But also, if you look at the card, like like to your point, Ken, if you look at the whole card and you chopped it in half, and I gave you the first half of that card, that could have easily been uh, one of the top five WrestleManias of all time. Uh, the the, the mat, you know. Like like you said, when you stopped at at Rousey, Angle, uh, H, and uh, McMahon, if that was it, if that was the ending, everyone would have went home happy, and I think you would have called out one of the top five WrestleMania. And, and to your point, like I'm looking at the card right here, and, and to me, it's like if you and, and look, I agree with you. I don't think there was really a, a horrible match on the card. And again, we'll dissect the main event because you know, obviously Dave didn't like it, but. I don't think it was a bad match. Um, I think some matches were disappointing, um, but you're right. I think everything was entertaining. But to your point, like as I'm looking at the card, if you if you had that, like you're saying, the, the mixed tag right where it was, add like add add the the two championship matches after that. So go with like AJ Styles, Nakamura, Lesnar, Roman Reigns, after the the mixed tag match, and you cut. The SmackDown tag team match, Undertaker, Cena, Brian McMahon, Owens and Zayn, Alexa Bliss versus uh, Nia Jax, um, even Strowman and, and Nicholas, um, and then cut like the, the goddamn two battle royals because we don't need two battle royals. If you cut all of that out and, and booked it how, like you're saying, and again, no disrespect because I thought, you know, most of those matches were entertaining, but you had like that sort of length there, like where you get it around the four hour mark. I agree with you. I think we're talking about one of the greatest manias ever. Yeah. Uh, and it was, like I said, the, the matches were good. I, I was happy uh, with most of them. Uh, I, I don't, not a clunker uh, that I can think of. I thought the, the, the whole Nicholas moment was freaking great. Um, I think for, for the people who, who, who shit all over it and don't get it, like you, you just endeared a whole new younger audience to wrestling for Christ's sake. You know, how do you, you know, re- if you don't get that, then re- you wouldn't know wrestling if it came up and smacked you upside the head. Really? Um, I, I agree that Nak- that Nakamura and AJ did not deliver. And for me, it, it, it's hard to put my finger on why considering the talent, but for some reason it just didn't feel, eh. it just didn't do what it's supposed to do. Uh, you know, and for me, like match of the night, uh, although give it credit where credit is due, Charlotte and Asuka absolutely knocked it out of the park. They were amazing. That could have been a main event on any other pay-per-view. Uh, I would have to give match of the night for me to 
uh, Rousey and Angle and Triple H and Stephanie, they just did such a phenomenal job of uh, of building Ronda up. And Ronda, to her credit, she was like, she was on, her timing was great. Her, you know, her facial expressions, her movements, you know, it seemed like she definitely belonged. And I think it was the probably the best introduction you could ever ask for into the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, and it remains to be seen, like, what she does following up this. I mean, she's in there with, you know, three other individuals that know how to tell a story in that ring. I mean, that was a – and she delivered. Like, she showed that she can hang with them. Let's see what she does moving forward. But I agree. I would go with that for, for match of the night. Um, and I agree. I don't know what it was about AJ Styles and Nakamura either. It just didn't click. And maybe part of it comes down to expectations. I was thinking I'm going to see something reminiscent of Macho Man Ricky Steamboat. Like, that's the kind of optimism I had going into this matchup. And, and it really didn't deliver on that lever. Good match. Uh, you know, not, not a clunker. Um, but definitely didn't deliver. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. I have given sufficient warning. We're going to dissect this main event after the break. We've dropped. What are we on? Four, four f bombs at this yeah. point. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to more than double that coming out of the break. Give us a call. Your thoughts on Manny? Your thoughts on anything going on in the world of pro wrestling? Lots of stuff we already talked about. But right now, it's time for the day five fifty fifty news report. Good evening, and welcome back. After a brief hiatus, you've tuned into the Dave 55050 News Report, only heard right here at the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Speaking of which, would you like to know where you can find us for all your pro wrestling podcast needs? Well, look no further than B-plus Players Radio. Search, then like, and or follow us both on Facebook and Twitter to scroll through the Rolodex of all the pro wrestling podcasts this network has to offer. When he's not selling out VFWs all over the Northeast region, he's the man steering the ship at B+, Mr. Mark Adam Haggerty, who has his very own show, The Outsider's Edge, on this network. He's the man responsible for all of this. He's even responsible for when the show drops for download, which is usually late Sunday evening, early Monday morning. If for some reason you can't find it, then head on over to iTunes late Sunday evening or the following morning, and all of your troubles will be washed away. And with that being said, allow me to trouble you with this week's over-the-top stories in this special what-the-fuck edition of the Dave 5 50 <laughs> News Report. F-bomb number five. Trust me, you'll understand when I'm finished with this week's report. We kick things off this week with the news that seemed to have overtaken the wrestling and entertainment world, and that is the breakup of John Cena and Nikki Bella. After doing further research on this subject, new developments have surfaced regarding their apparent split. Sources say, well, who gives a shit what the sources say? Next subject, please. Second story this week comes from WrestleMania weekend a few weeks back in New Orleans. As Impact Wrestling and Lucha Underground held a joint show from WrestleCon, which aired on the streaming service Twitch. The news from this particular event comes to no surprise to me as Alberto El Patron no-showed the event, resulting in his release from Impact Wrestling. Hours prior to the event, he participated in a pre-taped press conference with Impact World Heavyweight Champion Austin Aries, hyping up their tag match against one another later in the evening. Conflicting reports out there suggest that Patron was seen on Bourbon Street partying with the rest of the fucking barbarians while the show was taking place. Six. Another report suggests Patron was found under the influence of drugs and alcohol in his hotel room by Impact Wrestling officials, which led to his firing. 
Tron was also allegedly seen to be inebriated, interrupting an interview with Carlito at WrestleCon in a video on YouTube. Patron spoke publicly on the subject, claiming an incident with his children caused him to miss the show. However, if that was the case, then why wouldn't he notify officials of the matter instead of no-showing? And if he was being accused of all these things leading to his firing, then why wouldn't he publicly speak out about how he was unfairly terminated for false accusations? In interviews I've read with him recently, he didn't seem too heartbroken over losing his job and is counting the days that he has finished in professional wrestling. Personally, I'm counting down those days, too. Worst 40 bucks I ever spent at an autograph signing was meeting him. Join CM Punk in the Pro Wrestlers Crybaby Club, where you guys publicly bash the business and the fans that helped you attain some level of notoriety and wealth. Because you weren't booked in the fucking main event of WrestleMania, or you didn't get to hold the belt for long enough. Hashtag 434-day reign as WWE champ. Fucking assholes. (laughs) Moving on. You wanted rated R. I'm giving it to you. Hey, I'm, I'm definitely going to ramp it up on the rated R. I know you are too, so let's move on with another ridiculous what-the-fuck story. Seven, WWE's legal department has filed a restraining order against Armando Alejandro Montalvo. Uh, you thought I was going to reference Armando Estrada, Umaga's old manager, huh? Well, anyways, Montavo was involved in an incident at the WWE Performance Center in 2015 where he was trespassing on the property wielding a knife. Police officers took action by shooting him. Well, I guess almost dying didn't result in learning his lesson because he's been back causing trouble. At a recent NXT television taping, he was outside Full Sail University causing chaos, which led to his removal from the property. The reasons behind the restraining order are quite disturbing. For starters, he's been seen harassing WWE employees and staff, as well as threatening them. He's made social media posts with derogatory remarks headed towards Triple H and Vince McMahon, even threatening their well-being. But here's the kicker. His 2015 arrest came from an incident where he rubbed human fecal matter on the walls of the WWE Performance Center. Now I can take an annoying Mark who thinks he knows it all about wrestling, hashtag Mike Ferrara. But dude, come on! Poop smearing has taken wrestling fandom to a whole new level. I'm certainly not going to question his allegiance to the IWC because even those vile human beings wouldn't be capable of such, or would they? WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler revealed on a recent episode of his podcast, Dinner with the King, that he suffered a stroke three weeks before WrestleMania 34. Allegedly, according to Lawler, the cause of it stemmed from him not taking his blood pressure medication. In a very roundabout manner, Lawler indicated that this took place right as he was either about to have sex or during sex girlfriend. Lawler later debunked those rumors that he was having sex when this event occurred. But for the purpose of storytelling, Jerry, just roll with it, dude. It sounds better that you lost lost almost all of your extremities while you were slaying your queen under the sheet. It makes for a much better story. Every great pro wrestler has one great urban legend of a story. Andre the Giant's ability to pass gas for an uninterrupted period of time, Ric Flair's Wilt Chamberlain-type sexual escapades, and even Iron Mike Sharp's OCD with cleanliness. Well, you get the idea. In all seriousness, Lawler was unable to speak for two days while hospitalized, but made a miraculous recovery just in time to call the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 34. And our final story this week of the ridiculousness that hasn't subsided Impact Wrestling surprises us as they hosted a teleconference to promote tonight's redemption pay-per-view. And the guest of honor 
was none other than the always outspoken and sometimes very misunderstood Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. Forget about the important stuff to promote for tonight's pay-per-view event, as Steiner had some controversial and off-topic remarks during this session, such as, and I quote, Trump wants to kick out all the Mexicans, but who's going to cut the grass? Seriously, that's a legitimate question, end quote. And if offending Mexican people weren't enough, he felt the need to spread his message to overweight people with this stellar of a quote. And I quote, believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, most fat guys don't like to be called fat asses. Are you kidding me? How can you not call a guy, a fat guy, a fat ass? End quote. After Steiner's remarks, it's being said that President Donald Trump is looking into acquiring Big Papa Pump services as our United States Speaker of the House. And for the record, the views expressed by Scott Steiner do not reflect or represent the Day 550 News Report or the Ken Reedy Show. And there you have it, folks. Not my best work, I'll say that, but I thought adding a more lighthearted approach to this week's illustrious return of the Day 550 News Report is just what the doctor ordered. Check back here next week, and maybe there will be more thought-provoking stories making the rounds. More pro wrestling talk is on the way. So, Ken, Rocky, take it away. You know, you think, what's, is there something, like, in the stars or something? Because I'm just, like, thinking of, like, your news stories. I mean, th- there is a lot of, like, what the fuck going on, like, and, 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 and like, because, like, as you're talking, and I was thinking, like, this week was when, you, did you guys watch Smallville? I've watched Smallville. Okay, like, Chloe from Smallville was arrested by, for recruiting sex slaves for a, a sex cult. Like, I, I, like, I was that. like, what's happening? I'll be Chloe's sex Well, yeah, I mean, that goes without saying, but... <laughs> Well, it's like, like, Chloe's arrested, and, like, she was the brainy chick, and, like, she's, she's grabbing sex slaves, and so, man, is there something, I mean, if there are any astrologers out there, call us, 347-838-9815, I'm curious, is there something going on with the gravitational pull or some shit going on here, because it's, it's been a little bit kooky, but let's get into it, because I want to get into the main event, and as I've warned, uh, and Dave, you can, you can keep count uh, on the F-bombs, but um, you know, I got to tell you, and, and this is where, like, I, I mean, I was pretty pissed off, and I'm kind of getting a little sick of, you know, uh, the, the John Cena's of the world that love to come out on the, the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania, like, you guys are crazy, you guys, you know, you guys will, will chant about anything, you know, you guys are, fuck you, man, I mean, just fuck the hey. fans that, that, uh, <laughs> that, that go and, and do the shit that they do at, at WrestleMania, because you know what? There are some of us there that actually respect the performers. And by you saying, like, oh, you guys are crazy and you're doing all this shit. No, no, because you're taking away from the enjoyment that I'm having because I want to fucking watch the match, you dumb fucks. I, I mean, when you actually go and some of these motherfuckers come from, like, all well, over the world. They're, they're coming from Europe, England. I mean, we've, we've seen them from Australia, Scotland. And you're, you're going you're gonna to spend your hard-earned money to go to WrestleMania, which is a pilgrimage kind of event. And you, you call yourself a fucking wrestling fan. You 13. act like you actually respect what these individuals are doing, what they're doing in the ring. And in essence, they are literally putting their lives on the line with some of the moves they're pulling off for your entertainment. So let me tell you something, you dumb fucks. Number one, 14. Roman Reigns is good. I hate to break it to you. He's a good wrestler. He's a big motherfucker who can move, 14. and he's going to be around 15. for a long time. So if you don't like Roman Reigns, don't fucking spend your money on WrestleMania tickets, you dumb fucks. Number two, 17. if you're actually going to spend your money and think that you're so goddamn clever, look at me. 
I spent money on WrestleMania, and I snuck a beach ball in. And when Roman Reigns is in the ring, I'm going to throw the beach ball. So for all of us that try to, like, the, the, the stereotype of the dumb fuck wrestling fan, you wholeheartedly make the rest of us look like morons. You're the ones, like, as I try to tell fans, no, man, like, wrestling fans, we're just, we're just cool people. We just happen to like wrestling. Like, we're smart guys. We're just, this is, like, what we like for entertainment. And then we got, the, oh, I brought a beach ball into WrestleMania. <laughs> That's awesome because I want to get myself over by blowing up a beach ball rather than watching the goddamn main event. I swear to God, I, I was so pissed off. My whole fucking section, they were rooting for the goddamn beach balls. That, that's all. That, they were only paying attention to the beach balls. And, and I want to get into I enjoyed the match. I'm looking forward to watching it on TV. But when I look at, like, moments and, and still photos of, of WrestleMania history, and I look at, you know, when you look at Hogan holding up Andre, you look at um, a bloody Vince McMahon rising from the other side of the ring, that, that facial expression that Reigns had, with the, the crimson mask and just looking like a man possessed, to me it was an iconic still photo in the history of pro wrestling. And I swear to God, I'm watching it and I'm like, that's really cool. And nobody in my section is, is paying attention to that or the match. And it's gotten to the point for me where I still want to go to Mania and I want to enjoy it, but stay the fuck home if you, if you, if you don't want. You know Roman Reigns is... is in the plans of the WWE. 20. You know, I mean, unless you're like a complete fucking moron, you know 21. that Roman Reigns is in the plans. I mean, did you understand that? He's on Raw every week. He's, he's held titles. He continues to be put in main events. If you don't get that, if you really are too dumb to understand that, I hope you're listening tonight because Roman Reigns is not going anywhere. Get that through your dumbass thick skulls. He is going to be there. He's going to be in the main event picture. He is there. Okay? So if you don't like it, just don't go. Don't spend your money. Maybe, maybe, perhaps you save that money and move out of your mom's basement. How about that? Okay? How about you do that instead of thinking, hell, I'm going to blow thousands of dollars and bring a beach ball in so I can shit on the main event. You guys are a disgrace. To wrestling fans, you're just don't ever say that you respect what they do in that ring because you don't. If you're doing that, if you're bringing a beach ball, cheering for a beach ball, doing all that shit at a wrestling event, you do not respect what those guys do in that ring. You're not a wrestling fan. You're a goddamn moron. And I'm just so fucking tired of going Thank to these you. events and having people think that they're more important than the action going on in the ring. So that's my rant, and I want to dissect the match for the match's sake, and I'm curious how it came across on TV, Dave, but in the arena, it was, it was irritating as all hell. I was trying to enjoy the match. It will be the first match I watch on the WWE Network to, to get a feel for what it was like, uh, you know, the camera shots and everything, but um, in the arena, I, I was trying to enjoy it, but the fans were just, you know, fucking morons and and i i'm i'm really just tired of at this point i'm tired of you know going to these events and fans like not caring that they're taking away the enjoyment from other fans that actually actually bought the ticket to watch the event rant over rocky you were there live as well 
You have yet to drop an F-bomb, by the way. I don't know what the count is, but 23. by all means, I know you're, you're probably close to around the same opinion I'm at. Maybe not the rant that I gave, but your thoughts, being there live, main event, take it, Rock. Well, Ken, I have to fucking agree with you. <laughs> 24! <laughs> if, there's, if there's any fucking time in my life, I have to turn around and just literally throw people fucking flight of stairs, what? it was that fucking match. Because not for nothing, you know, like you said, <laughs> like you said, I believe Roman Reigns is a good wrestler. I I, I think that that fact is hard to debate. Um, whether you like what they're doing with him or not, fine. I, I couldn't really give a fuck. If you're if you're not going to pay attention to the match, or if you don't like, you know, I don't understand how stupid people are if they don't understand the equation. If you don't like something in wrestling, sit on your fucking hands. If I think that's if they get no reaction, then you're telling them that we have this is milk toast. This is boring. We, you know, if you chant this is boring, well, you're still reacting, you dumb fuck. That then we're still now at thirty. We're at thirty now. Nice. <laughs> oh, we get, we gotta fucking go for fifty. <laughs> Thirty-one. But it, you know, I, I just don't get it. I'm like. Do you realize that Vince McMahon couldn't give a rat's ass if you're booing or cheering as long as you're saying something? If you're saying something, then guess what, dumb fuck? You're going to buy another ticket and be in the next show just because you want to put yourself over and say something. Because God knows that no one in your freaking sad, pathetic life is listening to you. So I'm going to go to an arena full of strangers and yell my stupid head off because no one is fucking listening to me. Uh, it's infuriating. And uh, look, like wrestling, don't like wrestling, like a particular wrestler, don't like a particular wrestler, for Christ's sake. The fact of the matter is, these folks are putting their lives, their health on the line. It, say what you will about Roman. The dude bled hard way to put that, you know, it's not like he had a little razor when sweet, sweet, sweet. No, he, he told Brock, give me the elbow. Wham! And just ripped his head open, and like you said, Ken made an iconic photo because when he was roaring and you saw that face, I'm like, oh shit, he just might kill him. But of course, that was lost on your typical, you know, I, you can't even call him internet smarts because he was there. They were, they were just, they were dumbass. I wasted my money because I really don't like this guy, smarts. And, and it kind of come across as like, I mean, the thing is like, uncultured. Motherfuckers, I mean, like Very you, know, <laughs> you don't. You, I mean, do you go? I mean, are you are you the type of dumb fucks that go to a Broadway show and, and start chanting or, or bust out a, a a beach ball if you don't like it? Like if you go to a movie, do you do, do you do stuff like that? I mean, can you just respect the performers and, and what they're doing and, and and how they're putting their health and safety on the line in that ring? Um, it just to me, it's I I can't. I, I mean, I cannot take you seriously as a wrestling fan. Don't tell me you're a wrestling fan. Because you're not respecting what those guys are doing in that ring. And, and any, when it comes to, and especially like Rock, you bring up a good point. You go the hard way with Brock Lesnar. I mean, you're in the ring with Brock, Brock Lesnar. There's, there's a real good chance that that could be your last match. Every time you're in the ring with Brock Lesnar. And, and you know, to have so little respect for those guys. And, and over the years, I mean, a few years back, 
um, in San Jose, the fans were so disrespectful to the ladies. And, and it's just gotten to a point where just go and, and enjoy the show. And, and we've made a pact, um, you know, recently. We've decided, like, we're just going to go there and be marks and, and not be overly critical and just try to just enjoy the show as fans. And it's just really shitty to see people acting like that when, you know, Brock and Roman were, were putting their heart and soul in this match literally bleeding for the entertainment of these fans that, that could give a shit. It, it's very disappointing. And Dave, Dave you know, I, I like to get into the, the match itself and kind of dissect it. Um, you know, Dave, I'm curious um, your thoughts. Are, I mean, you told us you weren't happy with the match, but did it, did the fan reaction, did it come across on TV? What was it like watching TV? Uh, I'm, I'm curious um, while you're watching it, did, uh, the dumb fucks come off as loud as the dumb fucks were on the arena. And what's our count? 34 or 35? I'll give it 35. What the fuck? 36. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 36, yeah. What the fuck? 37. Excuse me. Sorry. I'm getting... All right, we're sure it's 50 tonight. So, all right. But, but give us yeah, your thoughts. Like, how did it come off on TV? We got, we got 39 minutes to get to 50. Don't worry. We're going to get there. Um, how, it came across on TV, how it came across on TV... Yes, they did have a presence. I will say that. Um, you could see it at some points, people standing up, watching whatever that be. From the hard camera view, it sounds like if you're watching at home and you were watching from the hard camera view, people were 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 looking in the direction towards you know where the announcers' tables are, and then probably further back into the stadium where the ball was. I'm assuming that's where the beach ball was kind of bouncing around, uh, but I don't know because I wasn't there. You'd probably be able to tell me that better. We heard a lot of this is awful chants um, throughout the match. I mean, I don't – listen, I don't want this to come across like, you know, I'm shitting on this match because of who's in it. Like, I was – this was the match I was looking forward to the most, the main event. I love, 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 love their match that they had in San Jose at WrestleMania a few years ago. One of my favorite matches to watch because of a great story that was told and how – you know, these two work so well together. So I was really, really, really looking forward to this match. Like I said, the most anticipated match for me of the night. And I felt like it fell short based on the, the structure of the match, not the actual athleticism of itself. Okay. But I felt like, like I said earlier in my rant, the story that was told of Reigns being the hardworking everyday champion at work every single day and Brock's the entitled privileged champion that comes and goes when he pleases and doesn't care about the business and the people were getting behind Reigns leading up to that it made me look at Roman Reigns as an equal to Brock Lesnar but when the bell rang in that match I felt like Roman Reigns was not an equal to Brock Lesnar they were doing the whole David versus Goliath thing I mean the way the story was structured leading into the match it had me believing that Roman Reigns was finally going to get, you know, his, you know, finally was finally going to get the championship. He was finally going to dethrone the beast. Okay. And granted the WrestleMania audience probably wasn't going to be too receptive to that, but the story that was told leading up to it, I felt like that had to be the finish because you gave me and a lot of wrestling fans a reason to care about Roman Reigns, but this whole playing the victim thing, you know, if he's the big dog and he's the guy that, you know, allegedly put down the Undertaker a year prior, you know, but you're treating him like he's Daniel Bryan, 
it didn't work with me. But aside from that, the athleticism, there was, I just felt that, like I said, the way it was structured, not, not taking away their athletic ability. They work hard out there. I'm not saying that they, that they didn't work hard out there, but I just felt like the story of the match was completely contradicting the story that they were telling heading into the match weeks prior. I mean, it didn't give many fans an opportunity to really care about Roman Reigns following this match because he's, he's positioned better when he's a badass. And that's my true feeling is that less is more with him. Don't tell me you're the big dog. Just show me that you're the big dog. You go out there and get the job done, you know? And I, I, I feel like, yes, wrestling fans and the, the crowd in that stadium, they didn't really necessarily give it a fair shake. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Ken, regarding your stance on what these fans do and how wrestling fans are these days. I back you 100%. They're fucking assholes. We're at 40 now, I think, right? 37. No, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. 38. 38, excuse me. We're 38 now. 38 F-bombs. But I just, I, I, I don't know, I just wasn't. The finish didn't match the, the, the story that was told, and I didn't think it really made a whole lot of sense. And that's the disconnect I had. The athletic ability, believing that Roman Reigns is the guy, yes, I love him. Uh, and, and he's definitely the man. He's going to be there for a while. But I think, he needs, I think his character needs to be positioned better as this, you know, this, this, this killer. You know, not this, you know, poor me Roman Reigns that they've been portraying on TV. Because it's not working. It's not working. And that's where I, I stand with the WrestleMania main event. I think you bring up some good points, and then, quite frankly, you're, you're a fucking smart motherfucker. Does that bring us to 40? 40! 40! 40. <laughs> All right, good. No, I, I think you bring up a good point, and, and that's where, you know, I want to watch it again on TV, because it, it's interesting when you start to analyze, like, where do we go now with the Roman Reigns character? Because, I mean, I, I thought, like, they were leading up towards um, Reigns going over at Mania. I think it, it told a good story, and... Um, I, I think what I enjoyed the most, um, and I think Rocky, you liked the match too. I, I did, I did enjoy the physicality. That's uh, what I liked. However, you know, when I look at the match now, um, and you look at the the event in Saudi Arabia, um, that you know that that um, um, that was a train of thought. <laughs> Cage match in Saudi Arabia. Thank you, Cage match in Saudi Arabia. That I, I, I kind of feel like Reigns is going to go over there. And it's it's kind of it, it's interesting to me that like it's just it's gotten to a point where Reigns is like he just can't beat Lesnar and you know he really had no offense in this match so as much as I enjoyed the physicality it was it was almost a borderline you know fifteen sixteen minute squash um, you know a couple really good moments again I enjoyed the physicality but you know now if you have Reigns go over and win the title. Um, and, and that part of me is thinking that he's going to go over because he's not going to pin Lesnar. He's going to escape the cage and he's going to wind up being the champ. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like, it, it's a little bit wonky with the storytelling that, you know, he's come up against uh, Lesnar and he's been unsuccessful every time he's come up against him. Um, and he got his ass kicked. Now I enjoyed the ass kicking, um, but it, it's kind of like, well, where do you go with the character moving forward? Um, you know, I mean, he is who he is. I mean, the crowd at this point seems like they're always going to shit on him. So um, I don't know if the answer is to turn him heel, just plug all your way through it. Um, but, you know, Dave, you bring up a you know a real good point that, you know, you, well, we thought you retired the Undertaker, but whatever, you beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. 
And the following year, you just get your ass handed to you. And, and now you're going, you're getting another championship uh, opportunity in a cage match. It's just kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of unusual storytelling to me. It, it doesn't make uh, maybe the most sense, but uh, in the moment being there and, and watching it, just the, the hard hitting nature and, and, you know, you know, maybe I'm just a sick fuck. You know, I just like <laughs> I, that. I'm just enjoying like watching two guys beat the fuck out of each other. Um, 42, 42, I think. Right. Um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, that that's what I was kind of enjoying, but I think you bring up some really good points moving forward. Uh, the story, what story, what story, honestly, it's a, what story are you trying to tell with Roman Reigns? Is Roman Reigns the big dog? Is, is this Roman Reigns' yard right now? Is, is he the big bad motherfucker that you don't fuck with? Or is Roman or Reigns David to someone else's Goliath and he's the underdog that we have to look at? Uh, he's the little engine that could. It's, what exactly are you trying to tell us? when they're telling the Roman Reigns story. Yeah, I, I can totally see your point with that, with, with this match, because, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, because in their first meeting at WrestleMania, Roman actually beat him. He just got beat by Seth Rollins right afterwards. Is that right? Roman didn't beat no. him. The match, the, the match was, the, the match was uh, interrupted with the cash-in, and then it got turned into a triple threat, so... That's right. Yeah, yeah. So he, like he, was on the, he was on the brink. He, he, yeah, he, oh, yeah, he no, had, he, him, on, yeah, he had yeah, him on the ropes, close. but I, I agree yeah. that the, the story you tell, the story you tell with Reigns is, and they were going for the whole David and Goliath thing, and you know what? That works if you have a monster heel and a much smaller baby face. But Roman Reigns is not a small fucking guy. He's a fucking monster. You know, he, he's definitely on par with, uh, with Brock. And that's the way you bill it, at, at least in my view. The way you book it, uh, of course, you have Brock being Brock Lesnar. He's the baddest man on the planet. He's going to fuck anyone up who, who says differently. And you have Roman Roman Reigns, the, the working champion, the, the guy, you know, who's everyone hopes riding on. And you know what? You have, you have Brock come out, come on strong. He opens the match tough. And you have Reigns on the ground, but he gets up, and Brock is surprised. And okay, I gotta fuck up this guy a little bit more. And he flattens him again. And then Reigns gets Reigns gets up. And then you have a look on Brock's face, saying, "What? What the fuck do I gotta do with this guy?" Forty nine. You, know, <laughs> you know that's the way you bill it. You, you you because when you bill Roman Reigns as a badass. That's what people get behind. That's what people can believe. Be- he's, he's a big, tough Samoan. Bill him like that. Don't make it, don't give him sympathy. No one cares, you know, if you treat him like a small dude, if you treat him like, oh, look, poor him, he's getting his ass beat, no one's going to care. They, they want him fighting through. That face that he made when his face was had the crimson mask, that face that he made, that's the Roman Reigns that people want. That's why that's such an iconic picture, because that picture goes along with the persona of just being a badass. I can take anything you fucking throw at me, and I will still 50! keep... Yeah! <laughs> and I will still keep coming. That's how you build Reigns. That's how you get people behind him, and that's how you make it more interesting. 
and, and, it, and, and it is interesting, like, you know, again, the story you're telling. So you have Roman Reigns, um, the big tough Samoan, who is calling out the part-timer. And then he's getting his ass handed to him by the part-timer. Yeah. Uh, it, it just was kind of, you know, again, what story you're trying to tell. And, and it's a similar story to San Jose. Um, because Brock was kicking his ass. I just felt like they told the story a little bit better in San Jose. Uh, but like I said, I enjoyed this match. And, and I'm just coming out of Mania. Like It was weird for me that when Lesnar pinned him, I'm like, huh, now what? Like I was still kind of expecting um, some big comeback, something, you know, and, and, and just like, and, and it just didn't happen. So, you know, it remains to be seen, like where they go with Reigns. Um, you know, we'll see when we do our picks for the big, uh, I guess we should do picks for uh, the, the, the biggest rumble ever. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the Roman Reigns character right now, as much as I did enjoy the match, I didn't think it sucked. Um, you know, you do wonder where the character is, is going from there. And, um, you know, so, again, like, I mean, it capped the, the WrestleMania conversation. I mean, I, th- I thought it was a good mania. I didn't think it was a great mania. It's not going to crack my top five manias. Um um, but it was a good mania top to bottom. And, and I think, you know, going forward again, the theme coming out of this, uh, this year's WrestleMania is WrestleMania weekend is just, you got to shorten some things up. Like, you know, longer is not necessarily better. And you, you got to look at, um, kind of, you know, tightening up the ship and, and changing things up because this could have been an all time great mania. And instead just the, the length kind of killed it. And um, I don't know if it was rock or Dave, when we're talking about Nicholas, I kind of dug that too. Um, I, and I thought it was, in a, it was booked in a good place in the card. Um, it added to the Braun Strowman character. And what I liked about it is it, it pulled Strowman away from that universal title picture, but I think it's good for him for the time being. Um, and, and I thought like it gave him this big friendly giant kind of kind of feel to him and I, to me that was a smart move with the Andre the Giant documentary coming out that you have this I mean everyone has this image of, of Andre the Giant and you know everyone it's funny every single I should say almost every person every single woman on the planet has seen the Princess Bride <laughs> except Michelle wow Michelle has never <laughs> seen the Princess Bride but I think that's like where the, the, the outside of the wrestling world, Andre the Giant is like it's just this big friendly giant. I think that's a good spot to put Strowman in for the time being. Um, but the documentary did come out on Andre the Giant. Um, solid documentary. It's always cool going down uh, memory lane. But Dave, I'm curious. I mean, again, you are, we always give you credit for being the resident historian. What are your thoughts on the Andre the Giant uh, documentary? I think they did. I think HBO and WWE did right by him the way it was produced. Uh, a lot of stuff we've heard about, you know, his day to day life as a giant and and uh, you know his 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 dealings in the business. Uh, for me, and I'll, I'll be, I'm gonna try and do this without getting emotional, and you'll be surprised when you hear this. But the one thing that that grabbed me was the story arc that this documentary told, leading to the Hogan-Andre showdown for WrestleMania three, The way it was produced with the music in the background and how they built to that crescendo and Hogan telling his story of his day-to-day dealings with Andre at the Silverdome and how he didn't know the finish 
and how Andre wasn't really giving him any indication what they were going to do in the match. And then we get to the match and the music continues to build. And it's weird. I've watched that match hundreds of times. Okay. And this wave of emotion, and I'm not bullshitting you guys. I'm fucking serious. 51. There's, I've never felt anything like this watching something. I mean, pro wrestling related. I've gotten a little choked up and teary eyed, but when, when Hogan told that story and then it led to Hogan slamming him and then, and then pinning him and winning, I cried. And it wasn't, I didn't cry because of the story that Hogan was telling um, about, you know, Andre passing the torch. And I wasn't crying because I felt bad because Andre's physical state was not the best going into that match, but he, sacrificed his body to do this for Hogan and for the industry. I cried because I had like a nostalgic moment. I watched this event with my father when I was a kid in a closed circuit movie theater. For those of you youngins that are listening to this show, there's such thing as this closed circuit movie theater where you would go watch wrestling. This was before there was pay-per-view and Netflix and all that other bullshit. Um, but I, I, it was the way it was produced. It was told, if you go back and watch it, you, the, the, the ominous music to start the scene where they, 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 they show the shot of, like, the whole crowd in the Silver Dome during the day, and then it leads into the night. And I don't know what it was, but like I said, I've watched it 100. It made me, like, view this match differently. It really did. Like, it was just – it was something that, like, came over me. I was, like, bawling like a baby. I don't know what it was, but it was – it, it's true. I really was. I was like bawling like a baby. And I, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Like it, that moment, like was the one thing that grabbed me from this whole documentary. And that's, that's, I mean, that's all I could really say about it, but I thought it was, it was well done. It really was. It's interesting, man. It's like we set the record for like F bombs and now we're just going to get all like <laughs> kinder, gentler Dave. <laughs> No, I get. It. I mean, there's there's certain things, you know, in in life, and you know, just as as a guy, those are the worst things. The things that like you're not prepared for emotionally, and then it kind of tugs at the heartstrings. Like no control, no control over emotions. Stop, stop. Um, I I enjoyed the documentary. I I kind of was hoping um to get a little more um that I didn't know already. Uh, I thought I thought it was very good. I thought that the Hogan Andre stuff from three was really good. I, I kind of wanted, uh, and they didn't really touch on it, when Andre came back, I, I want to say like 90-91, and he turned on Heenan to kind of like come back. It was like, you know, the giant came back and, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, he was done. Um, but I kind of wanted to, because uh, there was a moment in the documentary they talked about Andre, like, liking being liked and enjoying being a face, and uh I kind of would have liked to have heard what went into uh, turning on Heenan and at least being a face to, to end his career. Um, I really enjoyed the home movies. Uh, some of that stuff I'd never seen before. And that was cool. Um, but to, to your point, I, I'm not going to, I didn't ball like a baby, but I, I did get choked up um, towards the end uh, when uncle Vinny, Vinny Mac uh, got choked up because you know, Vince McMahon doesn't cry. I mean, he just doesn't cry. So when, when he was getting choked up and having a hard time talking about it, um, and his friend referee Tim White, when uh, 
you know, talking about how Andre passed on uh, in a hotel room and yep. him just saying that, I mean, it's amazing to, to, to take something like that so personal, but to say that, you know, his biggest regret is not being there for him when he passed, like, not that and it was almost like not that he, he could have saved him, not that he could have died 901, but the fact that, you know, Andre died alone in a hotel room that he wishes he just could have been there for him. And, and just it, it was upsetting that how how that must have been for Andre just being alone in a hotel room um, that grabbed me. I mean, that, that really struck me. So, I mean, I thought there, there were really cool stories. I thought the, the movie was structured well. It, it, it moved at a good pace. Uh, the interviews were great. Um, if I had a criticism, I would have uh, just liked to have gotten a little more info. I mean, that's my thing with documentaries. I just want, like, more. Like, give me more info that I, I don't know about, Andre. I would have liked to have seen a little more of that. Um, however, it was a clear, concise documentary. It had a good flow. It didn't drag. Um, you know, and again, and if you didn't know Andre, um, I thought this gave you a really cool picture. I mean, you know, he had quite a sense of humor, but he was very protective of the business and, uh, the man could fart. And, it was, uh, you know, it was, and uh, I just can't imagine what it must've been like to, to hang out with Andre, but, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, it was a cool documentary. Like I said, I just wish we, we got a little more info. Yeah, no, I, I agree with both of you. I think HBO definitely did right by Andre, and and I do think uh, I do think the documentary was to your point, Ken. I think it was more geared for people maybe who are not wrestling fans or not familiar with the wrestling business who maybe didn't know who Andre was uh, to give you a good idea of who he was. Like for the folks such as us who have you know lifelong wrestling fans know the business. Yeah, a lot of the stuff we knew, but it was still nice to see like all of it. Uh, all of it collected in a nice little package. And like you said, the flow was great. Reliving those times from WrestleMania, WrestleMania three, uh, watching that whole, uh, that whole saga, that was, it, it's emotional because like, I'll, I'll never forget being that little kid in that room, watching that match. And if I remember correctly, all the kids were for Hogan, all the like adults were for Andre. <laughs> and, and you know, that's, it's truly that, that starry-eyed kid who saw the hero that Hogan became, and that was because of without Andre, there was no uh, – and it did bring you back, like you said, to those memories when Andre did come back. Uh, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen the whole, the whole face turn and, and, and interacting with Heenan because any time that, Hope, that uh, Andre interacted with Heenan, I, well, Heenan is gold by himself, but uh, I, I think Andre just accentuated that fact. And the, the, the thing I always found amazing, uh, just as Andre as an individual, like for, for, for you folks listening at home, you know, I am not uh, a, a large man by any stretch of the imagination. I am rather short. I cannot imagine what it was just, just a day-to-day to be uh, that large and to be not that much of a spectacle. It, you know, it, it goes to the whole, uh, I think it's Jim Ross who coins it when you look at someone, when you look at someone walking through an airport, how many heads would they turn? And if I remember correctly, Jim Ross uses that kind of as an analogy for if he sees someone who could be a wrestling star, 
And Andre is obviously a person who, if they walk by, every single head in the freaking place is turning because you, there's just no way, there's no way around it. Uh, you know, uh, definitely, literally larger than life. And it, it, as it was sad that he passed away in a hotel room uh, alone, but you know, if I can only suppose that his soul must rest in peace to realize that even to this day, how loved he was. And it's a good point. I mean, I, I remember, I'm, I'm trying to remember who said it on the documentary, but they were stating how, you know, that, that certain, you know, as a wrestler, as a performer, you know, you can throw a baseball hat on, like, you know, go through an airport, go shopping and, you know, perhaps like be able to kind of conceal your identity. It was, you know, how can Andre not be Andre? Like Andre was Andre all the time. He always had to be Andre. He couldn't go shopping or go to an airport or just say, I want to go to a bar and have a drink and just be a guy in a disguise. He, he was always Andre. And, and I thought that was strange. I love listening to Hogan tell stories and, and kind of have to do Andre's voice when he's so like, he's like, slam. <laughs> I thought, I mean that was you're you're right. I mean that the way they went through the WrestleMania three um, was pretty cool. Like Hogan relaying his experiences and, and Andre being coy with exactly how they were gonna um, do the match. And uh, you know I I thought that was that was pretty cool. And and also like when I look at WrestleMania three, I still am waiting for someone someone out there if you're listening. I, I would love even like watching that Piper's Pit and everything. I just I would love to see a documentary on like the build to WrestleMania three and everything that, that went on to, to build that. Like, I think you could do a really kick-ass documentary on between the logistics and the story storyline set that went into that event. Um, but it really did bring back memories and, uh, you know, Hogan Andre was just the ultimate of, uh, you know, two larger than life characters going in there, telling the story and, um, you know, stuff like that does bring back memories. Um, you know, and I don't know, I'm curious, Dave, like where you, I mean, I don't put this as, you know, one of my favorite documentaries ever. I thought it was really good. There was a documentary on the History Channel a few years back on Andre that I'd have to go back and watch. But my in my mind's eye, I, I think it was probably just as good. Um, obviously, Dave, I think you had more of an emotional reaction to it than, than we did. I mean, is this something that... When you look at this documentary, is it an all-time favorite? Is it just that moment for you? What are your thoughts? I wouldn't say it's an all-time favorite, but, like, I'll be honest with you. After I watched it originally and I cried, uh, I watched it with my wife because she wanted to watch it. And I got – I did the same thing again. And she was like, you know, she was like, yeah, that's the sensitive Dave I know. And But she was, like, at the same time curious why I was crying. And I was like, I don't know. Like, it, 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 I – I thought it was just that one moment, but like I went back and watched it again. And I was like, I'm really crying during this part. Like he just slammed him. And like the minute he slammed, the minute they show the slam and the music hits the crescendo, like then the tears just continued to flow. I was like, it was just like waterworks. Like I, I, I was like amazed that, that I had that, that, that grabbed me emotionally, but um, I wouldn't consider it an all time great documentary, but I think what Rocky, you know, Rocky brought up a great point was that, I think this documentary was designed to give, you know, casual wrestling fans that don't know all the history behind Andre uh, an in-depth look into 
what his life was like. I mean, the three of us, we could have sat here and, and, and told a million Andre stories that we've heard that they could have contributed to the documentary. And I was just reading an interview with Bill Simmons this morning. He said he, he enjoyed what the piece that he put out, but he said two things that he wishes, or he said one thing he wished that they would have added to it was Andre's relationship with Stephanie, because they interviewed Stephanie for that documentary and she didn't make the final cut. I don't think, but there was an interesting big brother relationship he had with her that she depicted in the interviews that he wished would have made the, the, um, the, the, the final cut. And uh, Simmons also revealed too, that that documentary wasn't possible if Vince McMahon wasn't going to be interviewed. Uh, Bill Simmons even told McMahon that he said, you have to do this. Like we can't do this without you, not just because of the footage, but because of the, of the relationship that Vince had with Andre. And I guess Vince kept, his, his relationship and his apparent falling out with Andre really closely guarded for so many years um, that, you know, Bill Simmons and HBO kind of broke open, you know, Vince McMahon's fourth wall when it came to his relationship with, uh, with uh, Andre the Giant. But not an all-time great, but it was definitely good. And, like, it ate the production value. Bill Simmons did a great job. HBO did a great job. WWE was a part of it, too. Very well done for Andre, because I don't think he's gotten enough love in the last – several years uh, when it comes to his contributions to the business. And that's a good point. I, I don't think, you know, people debate, uh, you know, and they put together their list and their all time grades. I feel like Andre a lot of times is, is left off and there's uh, you know, you look at, uh, I mean, you know, everybody stands on, you know, literally the, the, the shoulders of giants. And when you think about sports entertainment, I mean, how, you know, Andre just became that literally and figuratively like this larger than life character that even in the territory system that he was starting to be nationally known. And, and, you know, when you look at like how the business evolved over time, uh, you know, I mean, rightfully so you give Hogan all the credit in the world. And, uh, you know, when the WWE and they Vince handed him the ball and he took it and ran and, and took over the wrestling world. But, you know, you really look at that, would that have ever been possible if not for Andre and who Andre was and what Andre meant to the business? So good stuff. And and with like, with like nine minutes left, super, superstar shakeup uh, going on the WWE superstar shakeup. It's not a draft anymore. It's a shakeup. Um, I, you know, I, I wish they just went with draft. I hate the name. Um, I, I thought the shakeup worked storyline wise. I thought, where they move people, I, I thought everything was cool in the gang. I, I thought the shakeup worked out well. I, I want to know, without getting into, like, really the specifics, who moved where, because we're running out of time, but both of you guys, I, I'm curious, as the WWE it evolves, and as much as NXT is a developmental program, a developmental uh, brand, if you will, within the WWE, it's kind of becoming, like, the third brand. And when you look at the superstar shakeup, is that like, can you move someone to NXT? Could you move someone from raw to NXT? Or is that just going to be perceived as a, as a demotion? Are the three at some point, are the three brands going to be three equal brands? My other question, and this is why I would stick with like it being a draft and not a shakeup. I think you could add some realism to the draft slash shakeup and you could have, you know, a, whatever Stephanie McMahon calls like Zack Ryder into his, into her office. And is like, you know, you really haven't been getting it done. Um, we're going to have to send you down to NXT. 
Much like you see in movies and stuff when, when a ball player has to get sent down to AAA because they're not pulling their weight. Um, I think you could add a lot more storytelling surrounding the shakeup and draft. So when I look at, when I look at this I, and I ask you guys, I'm going to pose like a couple questions to both of you guys. Number one, do you think that the shakeup was a success? Um, number two, is, is NXT evolving as legit third brand equal with the other other two and three if so like could you move someone in the shakeup to nxt and it not be perceived as a, as a demotion and i'll throw it to rocky first what are your thoughts uh has nxt become the, the de facto third brand uh I, i'm not going to put it on the level of raw and smackdown just yet um I, I think you pose an interesting scenario of possibly the shaking up superstars going down to nxt but I think you'd have to be very careful with the storytelling on that. Like the, the, the two scenarios I can see playing out is, as you said, uh, maybe take a superstar that, you know, that creative has not had anything for and call him, call him into the staff's office. Uh, I can see that scenario. The other scenario being uh, possibly, uh, you know, you have someone from NXT, you, you have a backstage segment where someone from NXT slights one of the superstars and maybe slights them two or three times. And then it becomes an impetus. What I want to go to NXT because I want to beat the crap out of that guy. Uh, you, you definitely have to have some storytelling behind it. Otherwise I think you are, it is going to be looked at as a demotion. Um, what, as far as the current superstar shakeup, uh, I, I like where they're going so far, but there are some elements that I think there's a couple of loose ends that, that, it will remain to be seen what they're going to do with them because my, my main, my main problem with the way the shakeup is fleshed out so far is we saw Miz go over to SmackDown without the Miz Tourage. So I'm really hoping that Axel and, uh, and Bo don't fall by the wayside. I know we're not getting into specifics, but just wanted to touch on that. Uh, you know, it's, it, it remains at this point, like I said, I don't think NXT is quite there yet, but closing the gap fast. I agree. I, and, and again, I don't think it's necessarily bad to be considered developmental. It's just interesting how the brand continues to get more and more popular. And you look at certain guys that come up from NXT and kind of get lost in the shuffle that should you just stay in NXT? Should it be a dynamic where it's not getting up to the quote unquote main roster, that that's just a third of the main roster? Because you do look at the style and, and the way NXT is run. And you do look at guys that are kicking ass in NXT and maybe they're not going to, they're going to be lost on the main roster. And maybe it's something that they have to move in that direction. Your thoughts on all things, Dave, involving the shakeup. Well, being there live Monday night, I found some of the moves interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I dug the Ziggler McIntyre formation, not because of the diesel Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, kind of thing that everyone's been comparing it to, but the potential where that's going to go. Bobby Roode getting moved. I felt like if you want to pick a winner, SmackDown slam dunk. I mean, I feel like Raw has now become the land of opportunity where they're going to test things out with guys. And SmackDown is now becoming the stacked show because they took Samoa Joe, The Club, Asuka, Jeff Hardy, uh, Big Cass returned. I mean, then you already have Styles, Daniel Bryan, Nakamura, The Bar. I mean, it was just, I, I SmackDown won for me, but as far as your questions go, I don't think NXT 
is there yet, but I don't think they need to be there. My, me personally, they're a different brand. They're a different product than what you see on Raw and SmackDown. I think keeping that separate from the other two, I think, is a good thing. It's giving wrestling fans an alternative, that super indie fed, like I spoke of earlier. Um, as far as some of the, you know, maybe the main roster guys going to NXT, it would have to depend on who you're, you, who you're talking to, who you're looking at, but I think it would work. I think it could bring new life to that person's character, and it could, it could definitely do some things for them, maybe a resurgence onto the main roster, you know? A lot of guys that get cut and released from WWE, they go out into the indie world, and they reinvent themselves, and then a couple of years later, WWE is looking at them and, and wants them back like a Drew McIntyre. Maybe an NXT run for, say, a Dolph Ziggler or even a Zack Ryder. You know, those guys, that could be something that could be helpful to them when they eventually reemerge back on the main roster like a Raw and SmackDown. So I think that those scenarios can work with certain guys. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how, like, you know, where they go with certain things, especially how as the NXT um, brand evolves. I agree with you. I think SmackDown won. And when you look at SmackDown uh, being a two-hour show, uh, there's a lot of potential for the for those those two hours to be jam-packed and uh, really give us a very solid, entertaining two hours. Um, We'll see how it all unfolds. I mean, we've talked about it nauseam on the show that the three-hour Raw just, it's tough to keep three hours, like, entertaining. Um, we'll see how they do moving forward. But I would agree with you. I think that SmackDown definitely won the shakeup. Who do you think won, Roth? you think SmackDown, Raw, you, you, you're waiting? Uh, I, I think it's, it's unarguable. I think SmackDown won hands down. It's definitely going to be an interesting Raw for, from now on. Yeah, so well, I mean, we'll see what happens. Again, like a lot of times with drafts and, and like you said, Dave, land of opportunity, as people get opportunities, um, you know, I mean, there, there could be guys that are main eventers that we don't even know yet. You know, some guys, there could be some superstar that shakes shakes things up. And, uh, you know, someone we're not looking at a main, as a main eventer winds up, uh, you know, exceeding expectations and uh, – moves to one show or the other, and then we're not even thinking of that person. So um, sometimes when it comes to things like this, uh, you know, you can't tell who really won until you look at it a few months down the road a piece. Um, so we'll see what's going to happen. And I wholeheartedly agree with you, Rock, that, um, you know, Miz, I can't, I can't believe all the praise we've, we've thrown on this, but Miz <laughs> did such a great job on Raw. Um, such a great job with the IC uh, championship and such a great job helping two guys that were lost. Yeah. I mean, you know, talk about two guys that, you know, the Miz-Tourage, I mean, those guys were floundering. Probably two guys that you're probably looking at uh, being future endeavored in the not-too-distant future. And he made them relevant. He made them matter. Um, and now they're separate. And you, you wonder – where exactly they're going to go with them. Are they going to get a push? Are they going to be a tag team? You know, what direction are they going to move um, with the Miz Taraj? You know, I think that there are two guys who, for whatever reason, and, and I don't think it's WWE's fault, but their characters haven't resonated at times, but two guys who have grown up in the business and two guys that possess a lot of talent. Oh, yeah. So you would think that you could find something um for the two of them somewhere, whether it's a tag team or some singles program, at least for a, a mid-level title or something. Um, but I hope that we, uh, 
we see something out of them. I'm assuming we're going to see Miz, Daniel Bryan, you know, go at it at that SmackDown. It's just will will just be awesome. And I just I hope and, and you don't need a title for that. Let the just bad blood and let them go at each other. Guys, thank you all for tuning in tonight. It's a great show. If you have some ears, apologize for setting the record for most F-bombs ever on a Kennedy Show production. But we broke the record. (laughs) (laughs) For Dave and Rock, I'm Ken. Good night, everybody.